What's up, guys? It's Neil Dashwood here, and you're listening to I See Things a Little Differently. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. We have some extra content this week. It's been a busy couple weeks, I guess, huh? So we have a lot of extra content this week, actually. We have the regular shows, Mondays and Wednesdays. We have this show, which if you look at the title, you'll see what it is. And then you have the Match of the Month this Sunday. But um, I decided to do this because today, when this drops, will mark 20 years of Randy Orton on WWE television. Uh, he's, he's a WWE lifer for sure. Um, nothing wrong with that. Um, I just decided to do this because I felt like, uh, for all the times and all the years where I felt Randy Orton has half-assed his, uh, career. Cause if, here's the thing, right? It's something my, me and my sister were talking about, as a matter of fact. When you're just talented, you're going to get everybody at the apple you possibly can. When you're someone that's charming, you're going to get opportunity after opportunity. And Randy Orton's one of those talents that I've had a love-hate relationship with. Uh, when he first came out, it's clearly didn't know to do with him. Uh, he was very much generic. I believe his, his finishing move was a top rope crossbody. Um, and then it was like the, not the Impaler. What is it called? Uh, I can't remember who did it first. But I remember Randy Orton did it. It just looked so awkward when he was doing it. I can't remember the name of it, but... He's such a talented guy. Obviously, his big break was in Evolution. And then off to the races. And he's had some great moments. He's had some low moments, too. But I feel like his high moments have surpassed, you know, those low moments. And he's even admitted how he's half-assed stuff. Like, that's the one thing I appreciate about Randy Orton. Like, he's, like, not cared for a very long time. I remember... um, when the feud with him and Brock Lesnar, the first time they ever uh, met up, uh, it was funny because <laughs> it was funny because when you look at the edits and Brock Lesnar said something to the effect of, I don't care about people, I don't give a shit about people, whatever. Well, they cut out a part of where Randy Orton, because Randy Orton was technically the face there. Well, Randy Orton has said, like, if you, he's like, shit, I don't care about people either, but I'm still here. Like, it was just one of those things where you could tell he blocked it out. And, um, and I haven't seen an edited version before. But it's one of those things where I do believe him. You know, I actually had the privilege of meeting him one time. Uh, so my aunt works at a dealership in Parts Unknown. And she got tickets to the car show every year. And I believe they stopped doing that. I believe they stopped giving her tickets to the car show. Or stopped giving tickets to the car show wave. I don't know why. But she had tickets to the car show for years. I mean, we went for... And I went for years. I'm not even a car guy. But, hey. Just something to do, right? And that way I could always course somebody else into driving into the city. And I didn't have to drive into the city. I would always get two or three tickets. I'm like, hey... You can go if you drive, you know, and it was always fine, right? And so, um, I remember twice when I went. Once Randy Orton was there and once Seamus was there. And Seamus signed a couple things for me. Seamus signed like a little fake spinner belt I had and an 8 by 10 He was super nice. Randy Orton signed this one piece of paper as well. I think I have a picture with Randy Orton too. No, I have a picture with Seamus. Where is that picture with Seamus? Maybe my ex has that. I don't know. Anyways. So, um... Yeah, it's... it's Randy Orton has been, have, have a very interesting career, but the one thing I will say is for many, many years now, 
I would at least say for a good decade, he's not giving a fuck. Like, he has said what he's wanted to say. You know, and pretty much, I'm pretty sure he's gotten heat for it, and I'm pretty sure it's been pretty pretty annoying. But um, the one thing he's always been is honest, like, how it took him a long time, you know. And you can really see his appreciation now. Like, in my opinion, like, even you can see him having fun. Which to me is this is the best version of Randy Orton. Like when uh, Riddle a couple weeks ago hit that RKO out of nowhere on Jimmy, and he just he walked into he ran into the ring and he was celebrating before the, the before even having the three count. Like you could tell he's really having a fun time mentoring Riddle. And it's a story that I, I read weeks ago. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when uh, Riddle had made the comments about how you could stretch Roman Reigns, which you're <laughs> you talk about the top guy in the company. Apparently, Roman Reigns really did not like it. And it was Randy Orton who actually helped Riddle pin a letter to Roman Reigns of an apology. Like, hey, you know, my bad and blah, blah, blah. And apparently, Reigns didn't, you know, take the apology very well. Or he just didn't accept it. Um, but I see a little bit of Riddle in, Matt, in Randy Orton when it comes to his just his mouth. You know, I feel like, and Riddle's had, believe it or not, I know people knock WWE, but Riddle's actually had, and had a bad run on the main roster. Uh, obviously, he got the United States Championship because Keith Lee was sick, um, two-time tag team champion. I can see them putting the World Championship on him at some point in time. If, like he's, they, they, they're giving him more than what I expected. I expected once Matt Riddle to get called up, I thought it was over. But the fact that he's already had champion ch- championship runs and he's been very much featured it's like it's very surprising you know so uh, dope for him but um i, I did want to talk about the top 10 moments matches moments i had a, a bunch of them mixed in because i felt like it just and for me i don't think randy orton has that many classic matches um but i think he's had some classic moments a lot of classic moments and things he's been a part of um, I want to talk about those right now. So, uh, you guys know how my list go in no specific order. Number one, Cactus Jack versus Randy Orton backlash. This same way Mick Foley did for Triple H three years prior at in the Street Fight, the Royal Rumble. The same thing he did for Randy Orton here. This was for the Intercontinental Title. This was the blow off to their feud. They were feuding for months, and this is when Orton was in his Legend Killer gimmick, which was probably. I said that this version I feel is the best version of, of, of Orton. I feel like I feel it's the best version of him because he's happy. I feel that was the best wrestler version of him. Because I feel like he had no say at the time. He was just being mentored by or uh, by uh, Flair and uh, Hunter, and I feel like um, the, this he's still picking his bones. And this match, boy, oh boy, this match was brutal. And I remember the, the spot everyone talks about is the spot where Mick Foley threw him into thumbtacks. And I remember a story that I, I don't think it was Orton told it. I think it was Mick Foley that told it and the referee. I can't remember who refereed that match. But I believe when Mick Foley told the story, he said once he got thrown into thumbtacks, he looked at the referee and was like, these thumbtacks were a terrible idea. <laughs> but you could see the pain on his face, him going through it. But to me, it made him, just it just elevated him to another level. Because it was kind of just like, yo, this is, this is dope, you know. And he ended up winning that match and retaining the Intercontinental title. But that, that's to me, that's how Mick Foley's. That's just a big, such a big part of Mick Foley's legacy, man. It's putting so many people over and making them look like mega stars. 
And that's what he made him look like on this night. So that was awesome. Number two, this is a moment here. When he kicked Vince McMahon in the head, I will never forget where I was when this this moment happened. 2009. And we've talked about this on the show, I believe, before. I'll never forget it, though. I remember at this time I was working overnight. I was working a job overnight. And so I used to try to get to, I tried to get to bed around like 8 or 9, which is just hard for me to do because I'm not like, you know, 100. And so I remember they had a cliffhanger from the week before with Jericho and Orton. They, they did something. I can't remember exactly. I can't remember this part of it, but they did something. And so there was supposed to be repercussions from Vince McMahon doing air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes there um, the following week. It's just definitely, man. And so Jericho ended up apologizing for his job and disembarrassing himself in typical Jericho fashion. And Orton comes out right after. And I remember being so intrigued. And to me, I've always felt like the, like there was two years for sure where you didn't know who was going to win the Royal Rumble. This was one year where the Rumble was being promoted, but it was heavily in the background. And I've always said 2011, 2009, I didn't know it was going to rumble. It should have been clear that Del Rio was because he was the only one talking about it in 2011. He was like, it's my destiny to win the rumble, blah, 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 right? Speaking of Del Rio, quick side note. I saw uh, a, a convention, a, a wrestling convention, similar to like WrestleCon, but it's much smaller level, obviously. Um, they were going to, uh, what's the word? They, they were going to invite Del Rio. They are inviting Del Rio. He's like a big time signing for him. My first thought was, do, do people actually want Del Rio's signature? Like, he's kind of been poisonous, right? Like, I mean, that's seriously a question, you know? Um, I'm sure I own a Del Rio. See, that's a thing, right? So, I was in the store the other day, and, and that's, I saw this new The Rock Elite. And um, I was like, I was on the phone with my sister, and I was like, should I get this? And she's like, just, just buy it, because the money will come back. Which well, she's right. But, like, that's the thing. The reason why I got the Stone Cold, like, Ultimate Edition is because I didn't know if I had Stone Cold. Like, I think I do, but I don't remember. Like, I can't wait until next year when I'm fully unloaded, fully, I have all my shit in my place, and I can know what I have and know what I don't have. Like, the AEW figures, are, it's, it's, I know what I have and I don't have, obviously. But WWE figures, I just don't know. And I just don't buy so many of them. So, anyways. So I just thought that was funny. But it was 2009 was very much on the back burner as well. And so I remember this night vividly. It's, it's like, and they wait till the end of the night to have this moment. So it's like 10.50. I have to be up at 2. So I already know I'm going to be fucking miserable the next day. So I'm sitting there watching, watching. My mom, my mom was like, I was looking at my mom at the time. She was like, don't you need to go to bed? I was like, yeah, yeah, bitch. I'll get to it. <laughs> I'll get to it. <clears throat> Leave me alone. And so I, I, I wanted to see what the repercussions was because I felt like, are they just going to have these two beg for their jobs? That's not the thing. Now, I remember vividly Ren Yorn then saying, hey, ever since she popped you out a couple of grandkids and the crowd's like, this thing just built so well. <clears throat> so Vince told Stephanie, hey, I got it, you know. And so Stephanie leaves and says, you apologize. I'll terminate you on the spot. And so he says, all right, Ren Yorn, you're, and Renny slaps him. And he just collapses in the awkward way Vince, Vince does. And then he like smushes his face with his foot. And I was like, what's going on? And, then he, and this is one, of the, I think it was like one of the first times, if not the first, where he does the punt kick. He backs, he doesn't back up into the corner. When, he, when it became a finishing move, air quotes, is when he backed into the corner. This, he took like 
three or four steps back, and he just went and kicked him. And it was so stunning. And you see Randy Orton's like shocked. He's like, oh my God, what did I just do? And I remember vividly like, what? And I remember just like putting my hands in the air like, yes. Like, what just fucking happened? That was awesome. I was so stunned because I was like, what? What does this mean? <laughs> I was just stunned. And um, I'm looking and I'm like, what's? And then you have all the medics come back and Stephanie come back. And then Orton, and then it goes off the air. And I was like, yo, what the fuck was that? That was dope. You know, so worth staying up and waking up two and a half hours later. Because that's when they had to run over to wake up two and a half hours later and going to work, which was fucking miserable. But I remember that. And I remember saying to myself, yo, what's happening here? And it was at that point, I think it was clear that he was going to win the Rumble. Um, but it was one of those things where they didn't even fully, they, they, they barely followed up on it. And Triple H was in the final four that year, the final two, because in that final four, this is when, uh, what was that group called? Um, of all third generation superstar, or second generation super, he's a third generation, but, well, I can't remember the name of that group, let's just, <laughs> let's just Google it right now, fuck it. Um, Orton DBIC. DBIC. The Legacy. So the final four was Triple H Legacy, which was Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase, and um, Cody Rhodes. Triple H eliminates Ted DiBiase and Cody only for Orton to eliminate him. And so you kind of knew where that was going. At that point, once you get to the Rumble, but what a moment that was. Uh, number three, a moment that uh, I think is one of the best 10-man elimination matches in Survivor Series histories. In history, excuse me. Uh, it was Team Austin versus Team Bischoff. So these two have been general managers or co-general managers of Raw for months. And it, to me, it brought up some great television, fun television. And finally came to a head where Bischoff said, hey, Survivor Series 2003, your team versus my team, winner owns Raw. This became kind of moot when then Austin became the sheriff. But... This was one of the best 10-man tags, eliminations of all time. And it ended with, first of all, one of the best sells of a stunner. So there was a bunch of distraction on both sides. Austin, the ref's distracted. Austin steps in, nails Orton with the stunner. The final two are Orton and Michaels. Orton was, I think Shawn was like down like one to three or something like that. And Shawn Michaels, in typical Shawn Michaels fashion, was selling his ass off, giving you every hope spot possible. Orton hits the, gets hit with the stunner. And he does a... Roll, flip, roll up into like the ropes. It's just one of the best sells of all time. Orton ends up winning thanks to Eric Bischoff. And that's it for the GM era of Austin and uh, Bischoff. But one of the best survivors. That's why Orton's known as Mr. Survivor Series. Um, but it's one of those things where what a way to put over your young guy while keeping Sean, one of your veterans, as strong as possible. Like, Shawn Michaels came out of this looking so much better. Just a classic moment for him and a losing effort, like so many of his moments. But Orton, in this time, just just being able to get the win, it, was, it just was so shocking to see the end of it. And then at the end of the night, you see Austin and Michaels walking side by side. Michaels can barely look at Austin. Austin Michaels is a bloody mess. Austin's just kind of like staring at him like, you let me down. But, like, there was nothing that could happen. That was just, but it was a great 10-man tag, though. Number four is a match that's not talked about at all for reasons. Uh, was Randy Orton's first ever world championship match 
It was Benoit defending the world championship against Randy Orton. I remember seeing this one as kind of a surprise because it was kind of flat. And what I mean is the match was great. But I mean, Benoit had the championship and Benoit very much had a Jericho-like championship run where everything, he was on the underneath of everything. Once he won the match at WrestleMania 20, he ended up having the rematch uh, in Canada and I think a backlash. After that, he had feuds with Kane. It seems like when people are having underwhelming title match, uh, title runs, they get infused with Kane, uh, which is probably not fair to Kane. But um, they had matches with Kane and and, and and other people, which weren't bad matches, but it just wasn't marquee. Now, I remember Randy Orton, at this time, he had dropped the Intercontinental title, I believe, to Rob Van. No, he beat Rob Van Dam for Intercontinental. I think he dropped it back to him, too. Well, um... I remember just like I remember like saying to myself, all right, so Orton's getting a world championship match, and why? I remember he won a match to get to this match, but I remember thinking to myself, it just felt weird because it was just tossed in there. And I was like, all right, you know. And they had a great match, and then Benoit goes for the cross face, gets countered into the RKO, and fans were cheering. And I think fans were just cheering because the match was good, but it wasn't because they saw him as a face. Like, it was one of those, like, respect type of ovations because the match was really good. But it wasn't, like, a, a face. It wasn't, like, a full... Like, like, to me, I've seen people cheer the villains, you know? It's been more of, like... How do I... I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head when, like... When we... It was like the Austin thing, right? Austin and Brett... Like, to me, that was cheers of him turning face, right? But they were cheering him before the match, you know, and booing Brett before the match. And so this wasn't different. They weren't, like, cheering him before. They, they, this was a good match. Well, WWE, of course, blundered that, and we're not going to get to that moment now, but this was a match that you guys should definitely watch on the network if you can stomach seeing Chris Benoit. I think it's worth your time. Number five, Taker versus Orton, WrestleMania 21. This match... To me, was the first time, in my opinion, for my, for me, I felt this was the first time I saw the streak as being in jeopardy. And I'm a Triple H guy, but I'm telling you right now, WrestleMania 17 didn't feel you knew who was gonna win, like you just knew it. Especially after Triple H had the biggest win of his career the month before beating Austin in that three stages of hell match. You just knew he wasn't gonna beat the Undertaker, and that was before the streak was really a thing. I just, just knew it. This was the first year where I was like, holy crap, even one of the best RKOs of all time, where Taker has a choke slam, he goes for it, and he gets it with the RKO. Like, you felt like the streak was going to end right there. This is the first time I felt that, though. But it was a classic match. Um, and this was a classic feud with him, too, where he did get a win over him. I think he got a couple wins over Undertaker. But this was a fantastic match. Number six, the Shield versus Evolution match two. You have the match at Backlash, but then you have the match where Blutista was existed. I feel both. Ma- I feel the second match was more brutal than the first. Both are great matches, but for me, the second match did it because I believe it was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the second match was an elimination match, and they swept the Shield. I mean, excuse me, they swept the ev- Evolution, and, I, and that to me was when I said, "Oh wow, they put these kids over." And to see these young, to see the, the, the evolution after having the reign of terror that they had for 2003 into 2004, to see these guys essentially for three months straight putting over Brian Danielson at WrestleMania 30, 
all losing to him in one night, to then put over the Shield two months in a row, that was something to see. But I recommend it. Number seven, to me, in their best match of their never-ending feud, Cena, Orton, bragging rights, Iron Man match. To me, I wrote this fun fact down. I had to write it down. This was a never-ending feud in the 08-09 reign. It started in 2007. But this is where the only time I felt like the rule or law of... The, the the entitled rematch after you lose the title bit them because they went months back and forth with the belt just being traded back and forth so now no 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 you can't get out of this i have a guaranteed rematch and it just was never ending it was uh wearing on you as a fan and it just was like do you guys not have anyone else and they really didn't if you think if you look at that time they had no one else that could draw with Cena but Orton and Orton was such a great heel at the time and you knew he put him in danger and the thing is I read an article where people said uh, this after this match Cena stood tall like he always did over Orton but that's not true if you look at the main events that they that they main evented the pay-per-views that they main evented together Orton is five and three against Cena Orton has a winning record over Cena. I don't know how many people actually have a winning record over Cena. Five, I think AJ Styles has two and one, but even then they never made into the pay per view, to my knowledge. Or was they were they the? No, because they weren't even a chance. Dean Ambrose, they they never. I don't think they ever made into the pay per view together. But in pay per view main events, Orton is five and three, and I wrote down the pay per views. Their first main event pay-per-view was Unforgiven 2007. Orton won by DQ. No Way Out 2008. Cena won by DQ. SummerSlam 09. Orton won by pinfall. Here's where the back and forth goes. Breaking Point 09. Breaking Point was a one, I think it was a one-year or two-year pay-per-view experiment. Every match was a submission match essentially. Breaking point, 09, Cena made Orton tap out. Now, I remember this. I remember Cena holding the belt and he had a mic in his hand. And he said, I did not give up. It's not like he was Mel Gibson screaming, freedom. Um, Hell in a Cell, 09, the very next month. means These are three pay-per-views back-to-back. Orton pins Cena. Bragging rights, the Iron Man match. Cena won six falls to five. TOC, 2013, Orton unified the two championships in a ladder match. And their final main event pay-per-view was the Royal Rumble 2014, where Orton pinned Cena. Now, if we're being picky, we can say that wasn't a pay-per-view because the Royal Rumble main event is that pay-per-view. But that was the final singles match on that. But in one-on-one affairs on pay-per-view, Orton has the advantage. But in their never-ending feud... If you remember the 2014 one, people were dead for it. It wasn't until the Wyatt showed up and screwed Cena where people came alive, but no one could care. No one cared about this match. But anyways, to me, their uh, magna opus was bragging rights. That was, to me, that's when you knew the feud was finally over after months for a good long chunk of, chunk of time. Number eight. The, the storyline that made me feel so bad for Randy Orton and his fans. So Christian has his moment. 
he finally wins the World Heavyweight Championship due to Edge being retired. And he wins the ladder match against Del Rio. And you have a feel-good moment. And then that Tuesday, I remember the wrestling world was shocked. Now, I remember the outrage. I wasn't on wrestling Twitter then. I can only imagine how it was. If wrestling Twitter was still a, th- a thing then to 2011. But I remember the people I knew, they were angry. When they read the spoilers, that's when SmackDown was taped on Tuesday and played on Friday. When they, when the spoilers came out, that just two days into his world championship run, Orton defeated Christian to get the title. It was, I remember I was pissed. Everyone was pissed. I think everyone thought for some reason this was a changing of the guard. And it was not, it was far from it. And I remember this did kick off a feud that didn't turn Christian Hill. But there was two matches that, to me, stood out the best. One was this one we're talking about, which is SummerSlam 2011, where Christian went into it as World Heavyweight Champion. And he ended up losing after uh, catching an RKO on top of the steps after he tried to jump on it, which was ridiculous and go there. And this match was one. And the second one that I put as number 10 was Christian versus Orton at Over the Limit. Both matches, great matches, great feud. I think, no, don't get me wrong, in retrospective, with Mark Henry getting the push he got, that's when Mark Henry was getting the Hall, the Hall of Pain push. With Mark Henry getting the push he got, Randy Orton was the guy to lose the belt to Mark Henry. But... He didn't get the belt until, I believe, September. It just was so frustrating being a Christian fan of WWE, dude. It was always so frustrating. And it just... I think I read something where Booker T said that... it was. I think it was Booker T or somebody else. I think it was Booker T, though. Where Booker T said that uh, Christian's massively underutilized. Or was it Conan? It was Conan and Booker T. It said Christian was massively underutilized. And then he went, he went back in WWE. What do you think they're going to do with him in WWE? Massively underutilize him. <laughs> it's clear they're building to something here. It's a slow burn with this whole thing. But, I mean, like, I can appreciate him more here. The fact that he was, I think he's only one of, what, three or four guys to pin Kenny Omega. And win the Impact World title. Then he main events three different pay-per-views from three different companies in one year or last year. No. I'm not. No. I will defend Christian's booking right now. Unless they start, unless he goes strictly too dark, that's one thing. But even then, we've seen people who have been on dark like Jay Lethal. And they then end up getting pushes. Because, hey, they won 10 matches in a row. It's like, okay, cool. I didn't know that. Dark Dark has its benefits for sure. And finally, I have like, in number nine, like right in between them, but this is number 10 technically, I guess. You have the WrestleMania 30 match with Batista, Orton, and Brian Danielson. Um, I thought this was one of the best triple threat main events. It's nothing, no triple threat matches in, in, in Mania history has beaten uh, WrestleMania 20s, but this one, the 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 energy in that building, I remember it because I was in that building. The energy in that building, the of, of I don't know if this is gonna happen. Um, 
the nervousness of all the fans, especially after you see the Undertaker lost the streak. Brian barely beat Triple H. Like you, when you just didn't know what was gonna happen, um, it was kind of crazy. And I remember, I think I told the story before. I remember when when Batista tabbed. I was like, they did it, you know, just freaking crazy. Um, but yeah, to me that that to me him being the world champion at the time and going from what would have been a terrible main event with him and Batista to I, I think was a pretty good main event classic moment you know um i think that just shows it but also his accolades are amazing he's the only wrestler in history going to every wrestlemania with a championship a different champ his first year his, his first many he was the intercontinental champion he's gone in as a united states champion he's going in as a wwe champion he's going in as a world heavyweight champion he's going in as a tag team champion he's going in as every single champion you can have and it's just amazing. So, congratulations to Randy Orton in 20 years. Uh, hopefully, you get to do whatever it is you want to do the rest of your career. So, I am Slow Chemical. This is uh, just a special little, little, a little extra. So, I had the energy to do it. So, why not? So, I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.